Hi, I'm Dr. David Day of Samai Digital Security, and this is 404 Cybersecurity Not Found, telling cybersecurity a new R since 2015. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this latest episode of 404 Cybersecurity Not Found. I want to talk today uh, about why we seem to make the same mistakes. In all the time I've been working in cybersecurity and working in incident response and system penetration testing and information governance, I haven't seen any drop in people's attitude towards being proactive with cybersecurity. I haven't seen any improvement in terms of people's engagement and desire to be more secure. In the face of some pretty frightening statistics um, and shocking figures, they they don't appear to be having a great deal of impact upon organisations in terms of them addressing genuine cybersecurity threats. And, you know, I've been for um, many years trying to figure this out, trying to figure out why it is that we bury our heads in the sand, why, you know, on on every cybersecurity presentation you ever go to, you're faced with these multitude of different statistics, you know, average cost of a breach is so many million and, you know, it takes X amount of days, you know, a year or something to... To, to identify a data breach and my, my you know and so on many of these statistics and 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 my um, my view is they're not making a, a blind bit of difference and nobody's paying any attention to them and uh, even though you know we do our best to to explain what the problems are uh, and nobody ever seems to pay a lot of attention and I think you know the, the, the there's you know something to be said for the fact that I think the cybersecurity industry perhaps aren't fully trusted. And and I think many organizations think, well, you know, you're going to paint a bad picture. You just want to sell something. And I think it's fair to say that most cybersecurity organizations do want to sell something. And if they didn't, then they wouldn't be in business. Uh, but that's not to say that the messages that are being delivered aren't true. They are, they are completely true. And the reason why those messages are continually delivered uh, as a means of, you know, explaining to organizations why they should be purchasing these services are because they're true um they're not made up they're not fabricated you know these aren't sort of uh donald trump um election arguing statistics these are genuine real statistics and real issues that that we have uh as organisations with cybersecurity, so I'm trying to figure it out, and I have been for a few years. I've come up with a with a few theories, and I thought I'd share those with you uh, today. So I, I think the first thing is, as I've already mentioned, this the the, the scary statistics don't work, and uh, I think there's a reason why they don't work, and that's because as people, as humans, we don't like bad news. You know, we. Um, have a, a problem with um, except news. So, and, and there's you know plenty of uh, examples of this. So, for example, um, investors in a in a financial crisis, you know they 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 won't check their portfolios. They won't have a look at their stock. They won't have a look at 
um, their share prices if they're going down uh, because people don't want to see bad news. Uh, however, if the finances, if the stock market is doing very well and the investors are having some positive results, they check them all the time. Uh, and, you know, I, I think... I know this myself, right? So, so I don't like checking um, my mail. And the reason I don't like checking my mail is because there's usually bank statements in them. And I don't want to read the bank statements because I don't want to see what's in my bank account because it's likely to upset me. So, uh, that, I mean, that's just me personally. And maybe maybe you can think of some examples as well of, of things that you know would deliver bad news. Therefore, you don't look. Um I, I talked to you know a colleague of mine who said this is how he is with Bitcoin. If Bitcoin is doing well, you know he's always checking the price. If Bitcoin starts to plummet, he doesn't check the price so often. And uh, and and this is one you know this is this is human nature, and this is one of the reasons why in those cybersecurity presentations that you 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 watch, in my view at least, when those scary statistics come up, I'm I'm pretty sure that you, you know. If you've ever been to one of those, you just glaze over while you're looking at them, and they probably mean very little to you because it's bad news and you don't want to hear it, um, and that's understandable. So uh, that's probably not the right way to get the message across. Um, you know, the, the the other thing that we do as individuals is uh, something called blocking, uh, which is where we will either ignore or we will minimise any news that that we don't like. Um, Again, think <laughs> Donald Trump in the election. You know, he doesn't like that news, so he just simply ignores it. Um, and not wanting to get political about it, uh, if you're a Donald Trump fan, um, sorry about that. Um, so, you know, the, the, there is this thing that we do with ignoring or minimising uh, of news that we don't like. And, and, and there's also a thing called the deaf effect as well. I mean, the, the, these are all sort of pretty um, commonly known uh, psychological responses to bad news uh we we tend not to to listen to it we go deaf to bad news or oftentimes what we do is we we discredit the messenger so if somebody has said something to quite often we tend to go off that person we we blame the messenger uh, and and worse than that we we often discredit the messenger so as a cyber security company um trying to explain why positive action should be taken, proactive measures should be put in place to prevent breaches immediately puts us on a back foot because, you know, we're the, me we're the messenger of bad news and also, um, you know, we're, we're, pre <laughs> we're presenting scary statistics. It's, you know, it's got, it's, it has, it has all the, all the traits of not working. Um, uh, and so it tends not to. Um, so, I, I, and again, you know, if, if the only people telling us what to do and what we should be doing as cybersecurity companies delivering these negative messages, then it's kind of understandable that, uh, that people aren't putting those things in place. Um, it's difficult to gain trust when you're giving bad news, unfortunately. So I think, I think there's some other problems as well. If we consider, you know, if, if you picture a Venn diagram and picture one circle that says things that are true and then picture another another circle uh, that says things that you believe and then picture an intersection between the two of them which states things you know and basically what that is stating is that there are things that are true there are things that you believe and the intersection between them is the things that you know 
In other words, there are a lot of things that are true that you do not know. And that's probably quite easy for you to accept. Uh, if you've ever watched, uh, oh, I don't know, University Challenge, you know, I'll get maybe one question in every 10. There's a lot of things I don't know. Probably more worrying is the things that you believe. So there's a lot of things that you believe that aren't true, right? They don't fall into that things you know category. They fall into the things that you believe category and they aren't true. Um, and this is a fact for all of us. There's lots of things that we believe that aren't true. I'm sure I'm no different in that regard and none of us are. A lot of things that we're pretty steadfastly sure of that aren't the truth, you know, um, uh, again, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to pick on this. It's only because it's topical. Um, but it, but if you think of all the Republicans in the election, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of them genuinely really believe that there is mass um, voter fraud. They, they will believe it. Uh, it's, I don't actually think it's true, uh, but they'll believe it. So, you know, there there's a lot of things that we believe that aren't true. And, and this is driven often by emotion, you know. We don't like to be convinced of something against our opinion. We don't want to be convinced of something that we don't want to be convinced of. Um, and this also is a problem when it comes to cybersecurity. Oftentimes, individuals don't want to be convinced that there is a problem and they just they don't want to hear about it. I've had companies before where we've offered to do free work. We've offered to do free vulnerability assessments free external penetration tests for them and they've said no and we've said well why we're not charging you and they've said because we know you'll find we we, we think you might find things and we don't want to know if there's things that aren't right <laughs> i'm not joking about that that's seriously happened on more than one occasion more common than you believe um so yeah again just reinforcing the problems that we have in terms of um, accepting that we don't always know what's best and also accepting that, um, you know, and, and and that feeling that we have when we hear bad statistics that, you know, makes us not want to believe them. So here's, uh, here's another example. I'm just, you know, let, let's have a think about this particular incident. So in, in 1978, there was a DC-10 which was making a scheduled stop in Denver. And... During this scheduled stop, uh, the, the landing gear of the DC-10 um, made a strange noise as it was being deployed, like a, like a whirring and crunching noise. And then uh, also with this strange noise, there was a sign, there was a, a, a notification sign that, that, that lights up to indicate the fact that the landing gear has fully deployed, only this particular... Um, light to state that the landing gear was down didn't light up so uh, naturally uh, the pilots were a little concerned they weren't sure whether the landing gear was down or it wasn't down the indicator didn't say it was down it made some strange noises but other than that they had no way of knowing they they, they looked around the plane they tried to check to see what the the problem might be uh, they considered the fact that it could be an indicator issue. And, and all of this time they were circling the airport because they simply weren't sure what the problem was. And during this time, as they're circling the airport, they're running out of fuel. And the fuel gets lower and lower and lower. And ultimately, uh, they realise that uh, they're extremely low on fuel 
and uh, try to land. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, they don't make it to the runway. They run out of fuel and they crash and uh, kill uh, several uh, members that were on board the plane uh, and uh, landed in a, a housing area, unfortunately. Uh, fortunately, however, not, nobody was uh, injured on the ground, but there were several deaths within the plane. And the irony here, actually, is that the landing gear uh, was down uh, when the plane crashed after it ran out of fuel. Um, so, and, and there's a number of uh, problems that you can glean from this. And uh, it, it wasn't that nobody noticed that the plane was running out of fuel. Uh, in fact, uh, the uh, co-pilot uh, and a number of other people uh, on board the plane uh, in the cabin um, did notice that the plane was running low on fuel. And they made the point that it was running low on fuel. The first officer, indeed, and the engineer both made their concerns known to the captain, but not particularly effectively. So really, they should have said, you know, listen, captain, we really have to land right now. We are definitely going to run out of fuel. And they knew this was going to happen. So why didn't they, you know, why didn't they forcefully tell the captain that the, the plane was running out of fuel? And uh, it's a problem to do with um, hierarchies. You know, the captain was their superior um, and they would have been embarrassed to, to, to tell him that the plane was running out of fuel because he was a very experienced captain. So uh, surely he would have known uh, exactly how much fuel there was and how far they can fly on that amount of fuel. And therefore, they felt that they didn't need to make it any more clear than they had, which was basically, they said, we're going to be running short on fuel if we don't try to land soon, uh, rather than we have to land right now. Um, so it's, it's, it's an interesting um, way of seeing it, that this, you know, dominance hierarchy can be a problem. So in cybersecurity, you know, this is quite common in terms of you know, oftentimes, um, engineers, network administrators, network managers um, will know that there is a potential issue, will know that there is a problem with cybersecurity, and they'll make this as clear as they can to their um, superiors, uh, but their superiors don't always listen and don't always take it as seriously as they should. And then, you know, because of the dominance hierarchy, because of, you know, that that, that, that form of cognitive bias that's in place it gets left and unfortunately it often unravels and we've had you know i mean just recently in multiple incidents of uh, of ransomware it's very rife extremely rife at the moment and uh, you know the, the, I, I just don't think people are really taking the the issue seriously so um we're not learning from our mistakes, right? So, I mean, they're incidents from, you know, the aviation industry, but the, the, I'm using them as examples because, you know, perhaps they uh, might resonate better than specific technical cybersecurity ones. But, um, you know, ego is a problem, you know, for us in terms of not, not wanting to admit that a mistake has been made or a failure has been made. You can only learn from a mistake when you accept the fact that something was done wrong and then look at how to go about fixing it. But I think some of the problems that that, that humans have is is their ego, uh, and I'm no different, I accept it, I just, I try to be aware of it, as we all should be, but um, it's there. And, and if you don't admit that an incident has happened because of 
you know, a lack of action that could have taken place, then you don't really learn from it. If you just think, well, we were just unlucky or it was somebody else's fault or, you know, this, um, this, this, this blame culture, it's a, it's a, it's an, it's actually an ego defense because it's, it's quite hard to accept that you've done something wrong that hurts. Um, so there's some examples of this. So, so, and I think, you know, I don't want to go into too much detail on this because I don't want to upset anybody, but I, I, you know, I've had issues with doctors before where, you know, I've been, um, I, 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 I've got a, I've got a daughter with cystic fibrosis and I've been in situations with doctors where they've said things to me before, which I know aren't correct. They're, they're just wrong. I, I live in the research a lot and, um, and although I wouldn't claim for a second to have their level of expertise in, in terms of medicine or anywhere approaching it, um, sometimes I do spot that they say things that aren't necessarily correct. And, uh, and, and sometimes off the mark by a fair bit. And I've emailed and, I, and I've, I've, I've messaged and I've said, look, I think it's this way. Uh, you told me it was that way. Are you sure? And then they will come back and, there was, and they will then repeat back my argument, my side of it, and pretend that that's always what they've said, uh, and it, and it's a it's a lack, you know. I think it's particularly bad with doctors, to be honest. They just they hate to admit errors, and if you think about it, that's perfectly uh, understandable because, you know, if you make a mistake in medicine, the results are you know can be catastrophic. People can die; they're almost unthinkable. So so perhaps that's become some kind of defense mechanism. I'm not claiming all doctors do it, but I certainly know. Fair few that that have, uh, in my personal experience with them. Uh, so another example as well. So here there was um, a a nineteen year old um, uh, Mexican who was accused of I forget his name now, who was accused of uh, raping and murdering an eleven year old. A horrible story. He was found guilty and given life in prison. Uh, and after thirteen years, DNA evidence uh, was discovered that that proved him innocent proved him innocent beyond any doubt. Yet, the prosecutors still wouldn't admit that they made a mistake. They argued everything against it. You know, the, 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 that, that DNA must have come from somewhere else and, you know, got all kinds of ridiculous, ludicrous arguments were put against it, claiming that it still must have been uh, him that did it. And it took another six years before they released him. And this is purely because of ego and not letting go. And I think this is a problem in, in cybersecurity as well. You know, even when people get hacked and we've had it before, we've had companies that have been breached and then we've, you know, we, we, we've gone out to them and we've given them advice about how to put cybersecurity in place and it hasn't been done and then they've been breached. Now I can almost, you know, that's, that's, that's forgivable really to an extent, but um, you know, if, if they get breached and then, <laughs> And still don't learn from the breach. Almost like, well, we've been breached now. We've we've got our breach out of the way. We've fixed the one problem that was the cause of that one breach. And then all the other stuff that we recommended they do, they decide not to do. And then they get breached a second time. And sometimes it, the, the, the pattern keeps repeating. And, and, and they won't put in place the things that we've asked them to put in place. And it, it's because, the, the, the ex, because there's no acceptance that a mistake has been made that they could be comparable for. And you cannot learn ever unless you accept the fact 
that a mistake's been made and you have to put the appropriate measures in place, not just to stop that particular mistake, but all mistakes of that ilk. You know, all of the, you know, as many of the, not all, because that's not possible, but as many of the vulnerabilities as possible need to be plugged. And it doesn't happen if, if we don't learn from those mistakes. So I think these are problems with cognitive bias. With, um, so, and, and, and there's a few sort of common ones that, that we have. And all of these, I think, the, these are the, the, uh, my choice ones, if you like, for, for why I think we don't learn from our mistakes, our cybersecurity mistakes. So uh, we, we have uh, outcome bias. Uh, and outcome bias is where um, we, we make a decision uh, based on a previous outcome. So uh, we, we made a decision in the past, nothing went wrong, therefore it was the right decision. And uh, you know, the, the, an example of this was, will be me. I mean, I, went to the, I've, I've, I, I haven't done it very much, but I used to go to the casino and I went to the casino once and I won. I played on black and red and I played on odds and evens. And um, I, I, and I did the thing where you put the the counter in, uh, on a number and put, spread counters around it, and I ended up um, winning. And I, I won quite a lot, and I was dead chuffed about it. Um, so, consequently, I went back the following weekend, and I won again using the same method. And then I went back the following weekend and won a third time. Now, by the time I'd won three times. There was no doubt in my mind by then. I had a, I had a, uh, I, I, I had a method, right? I had a, a, a plan. I had a, a way of manipulating the system, so that I could win every time, right? This is what's going on in my head. And when I went back that fourth time, that's when I realised why casinos have cash point machines in them, and I got completely emptied out that day. Uh, lost so much money and that was outcome bias at work the decision weight uh, worked once and therefore it must be right and this is a terrible problem I think when you know um, we put you know companies will uh, put a lot of money uh, into a particular piece of equipment that's supposed to protect them and then uh, you know they, they don't get breached in a year so right it must work I'll, I'll, I'll get it again I'll, I'll pay the subscription and pay for it again the following year um, because we didn't get a breach, so it must be working, right? It was like they had those things, the mosquitoes. I don't know if you remember this. It was a long time ago. If, you, if you're getting on a bit like me, then you'll remember it. But there used to be these devices which you plugged into the wall and they emitted a noise, and the noise was meant to uh, make the female mosquito um, uh, run away uh, because it, it was unpleasant noise. Um, and people were saying it was fantastic. They said we plugged it in and we never got bit. And then, you know, the, the, the science proved that they were, they were completely and totally ineffective. Uh, but because some people had coincidentally got through the night without being bit, they thought that these things worked fantastically. Another, in, it's, it's, it's another example of outcome bias. It's a, a problem. Um, another, another example of this is uh, choice-supported bias. So if, if you make a decision, you're more likely to, uh, to justify that decision than accept its flaws. So, um, you know, and this is particularly true if you... Think about uh, if you've paid a lot of money for a particular system, um, and then if something goes wrong with it, it's very difficult for you to accept that there was a problem because you're invested in it. You're invested in it mentally, and you're invested in it 
financially as well. So you go out of your way to justify that expenditure uh, on that particular system rather than accept its flaws and put in measures to prevent you know, incidents happening again. Uh, another example is uh, confirmation bias, which is uh, where we favour information that confirms our belief. And, you know, if, 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 we, if we want to believe something, so for example, if you decide that you want to think that actually cybersecurity uh, shouldn't be a priority, have a good Google on that. You know, you Google around on cybersecurity is overrated, cybersecurity uh, isn't necessary, and, you know, you're going to find results you're going to find things which confirm that view, uh, confirm, confirm the view that you don't need to spend a lot to be secure, that you don't need experts uh, helping you with this. That, 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 that you'll find. You'll find. Uh, and that's called confirmation bias. It doesn't make it right. <laughs> it's just the searching of facts that support your own belief. Other problems there over confidence, which is very common in managers and very necessary in managers, actually, to be very confident. I don't think you'd be a particularly good manager if you didn't have confidence. Um, however, it can also be a weakness as well as a strength because that, that confidence can sometimes come at the cost of listening to people who actually understand the situation better than you and taking their advice. And I think in this age of uh, Facebook experts, if you like, where where people are so forthright in expressing their opinion without any evidence at all um you know it it it, it highlights that the, the 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 overconfident exuberance of some people um can override the facts uh, and it happens and it happens all the time um and again i could point you towards uh you know a particular president <laughs> about how this can happen you know this, this confidence can can help you turn uh, things that, that aren't fact into, into, into the fact in some people's minds. And <clears throat> as a manager, you might not even be aware that you're doing it, but it's there and you need to be mindful of that and, and listen, to your, um, listen, to the guy, listen to the guys on the ground, right? Listen to the who are, who, are, who, are, who are looking after your network, who are looking after your servers, who are working with your active directory, who are working with you know, fault tolerance who, 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 who have to implement the business continuity plans because these guys are, uh, they work with this day in and day out and they understand the risks probably better than, than, than most, uh, most managers, to be fair. Um, optimism is another thing which managers have in abundance too. And again, a positive trait, but it can overshadow some of the actual risks. You, you, you know, if you're incredibly optimistic, you're more likely to think, you know, bad things aren't going to happen to me. You know, they happen to other people. You're an optimist. But it can lead to poor decisions. And the bad the bandwagon effect, this is another one where, you know, if a manager puts that something is a really good idea, there's a good chance everybody else will jump on board with that particular individual. And I've seen it before. I've seen it in meetings where, you know, everybody's of a, a certain opinion until the manager stipulates something different. Then all of a sudden, one by one, people start changing their opinion to to coincide with the managers. And I'm thinking, well, why? You know, that person doesn't know any more than you. Uh, in fact, they probably know a little less in this area. Um, but but managers' have influence is, is very great and causes this bandwagon effect. And, and obviously, then the more people that join with that particular individual in that particular belief, even if it's false, it's going to gain more and more weight. Um.
So, so there's some of the there's some of the facts, and I, and I and I want to sort of you know, uh, I, I'll give you another one, right? So, there was a story once with um, with uh, with Burt Reynolds. I don't know, uh, you know, if you, again, if you're getting on a bit, you remember Burt Reynolds. Uh, uh, I was a big Burt Reynolds fan, and uh, Burt Reynolds was in a bar one time, and um, there was a gentleman who was being particularly aggressive towards the um the bar lady uh the, the the one behind the bar and you know getting quite irate and uh upset and being a little bit obnoxious so Burt Reynolds being the big tough guy that Burt Reynolds is um walked over to the guy uh told him he needed to settle down a bit the guy was very abusive then to Burt Reynolds and Burt Reynolds chinned him and uh, knocked him onto the floor and it wasn't actually until Burt Reynolds looked at the guy on the floor that he realised that the gentleman had no legs. Um, and, you know, uh, again, this is a case of the fact that he was driven by his emotion. And we don't always see in the moment the things that we need to see. And again, this is particularly important in cybersecurity where, you know, we're, we're monitoring systems and we're looking for indications of things that are wrong. And oftentimes, maybe we'll see things that are out of the ordinary, but they haven't caused a breach. And this can be a problem because if we see things that are out of the ordinary and don't respond to them just because they didn't cause a breach this time, it doesn't mean that they're not going to cause a breach the next time or that they're, or, or that they're, they're a part of a, you know, the initial stages of a breach. Um, you know, I mean, this was seen in the space shuttle as well. Well, when the space shuttle was... Um, in operation. On a few of the launches, they actually found that there was certain, uh, the, 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 uh, um, some of the jets showed micro uh, fractures in them. And the argument was, well, the micro fractures are fine because uh, they're with intolerance, uh, but they couldn't explain why they were there. So the fact that they were with intolerance uh, when they were examined on that occasion doesn't mean that them occurring wasn't a problem because it, what it means is next time maybe the problem's going to be far worse if you don't know why they're there so you, you have to know why they're there so we don't always see what we need to see and this is, I think is another reason why we keep making mistakes so it's an, and, and just to just to finish off I think um when talking about that particular problem with the space shuttle. A, um, a hero, do I have any heroes? Maybe. Richard Feynman, right, is a, 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 a fantastic um, theoretical physicist and uh, of his day. Um, and he was actually one of the people that was on the team that did the examination the what went wrong examination uh when the space shuttle challenger crashed um killing many people including um a a, a civilian a teacher who, who tragically died as well and during his investigation one of the things that richard Feynman discovered was that there was a huge discrepancy between the figures given of a potential catastrophic failure in other words, you know, the shuttle basically um, completely fails and, and, and obviously everybody 
within it perishes. Uh, and the statistics he found varied greatly between the different people that he asked, from uh, from one in a hundred to one in a hundred thousand. And when he looked into this, he realised that the people who were giving the one in one hundred figure were the engineers, right? The people who understood how the shuttle works, and the the people that gave the uh, the one in one hundred thousand figure were the uh, management uh, at the top level, the decision makers, because partly they needed that shuttle to fly financially they needed to fly there was deals that had been done where the financial viability of the shuttle was completely dependent upon it flying so every time a flight was cancelled on this particular occasion i believe it had been cancelled two times before when it actually took off you know before before they actually uh, got the go-ahead for it and i think that additional pressure that had been mounting was one of the reasons why it took off because at least one of the engineers is uh, purported to have said uh, when he got home from from work before the shuttle uh, launched, uh, his wife said, "You know, hello, dear. Have you had a great day?" And he said, "No, because uh, I think we've just killed seven people." Um, because he was aware that there was a problem with temperature and the temperature where the shuttle was going to launch the next day, and the fitting of O rings, which were suboptimal at the uh, exceptionally low temperatures that they were having at that particular time and he did report this and it wasn't listened to and the shuttle flew and people died um so i think that's a a, a quite a good example of how you know we can uh manipulate figures from the truth to to fit in with with what we want and i think that's probably where i'm going to leave it as 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 a as a point on why we keep making the same mistakes in cybersecurity. So uh, there we go. That's the end of today's podcast. I hope you didn't find it too dull. And I'll speak to you again on the next podcast soon. Thanks very much for your time and uh, goodbye. This podcast was brought to you by Samurai Digital Security, purveyors of cybersecurity solutions. Find us at samuraisecurity.co.uk and follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook. Samurai Security, tearing cybersecurity a new R since 2015.